everybody. This is I'm Game, usually with Fred Croner hosting, but today I am Danny Teets, um, owner of the Muhammad Daily and SJO Daily through Ethos Publishing. And um, I'm going to interview Fred because he has some exciting things happening in his life and um, things we want to tell you guys about. So uh, welcome to your podcast, Fred. You know, this is going to be a little bit different. I'm used to asking the questions instead of answering the questions. So uh, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, well, you remember way back in the day when you were with The Citizen and you interviewed me and I interviewed you and it was kind of awkward for both of us? I do remember that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was nice of you uh, to suggest that we do that because it's not it's not usual for two competing publications to acknowledge each other and I think that's just the kind of guy you are it's kind of like who cares there's good stories out there to tell and and we should try to tell them right well you know I always looked at that when I was the citizen and, and you were with the daily as a collaboration as, as opposed to a, you know competition sure yeah there's some of the same readers that probably were going to read both of them but I, I never felt like they were going to read just yours or just mine I felt like you know if it was something if it was a good story if it was a was of interest, they're probably going to read both publications. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. There's no reason. There's enough for everybody, right? There's enough There's enough it. readers. There's enough information. There's enough joy and love for everybody. And so um, I just have always appreciated that. So, you know, we talked a little bit about this when we, when we were interviewing first, but I imagine that it's maybe kind of changed a little bit um, over the last seven years, but so you've been covering sports in East Central Illinois for over 50 years now. It's almost 60 years, isn't it? Like you're getting uh, close? No, it's not getting that close to that yet. No, okay. Give me <laughs> okay. Um, so here's my question. What is it that keeps you going? Why why do you keep wanting to cover to cover sports? Well, I mean, there, there's still stories to tell. There's uh whether it's the profiles on on people or the games to cover and um you know, one team might have a great year one year, and then the next year they they come back and they're down a little bit, and then they they rebuild. And so, I mean, it's it's just a chance for me. I, I tell you what I like about it so much is when I was at the News Gazette, I was responsible for probably close to fifty area high schools, and most of them had anywhere from uh, twelve to eighteen sports, and so that was a lot to keep track of. But now, what I'm doing, you know, basically I, I'm involved with Muhammad Seymour and St. Joe Ogden and and Oakwood and, and and Heritage. And so that's a much more manageable number of schools. So I, I like that as well. It still keeps my hand in it. And plus, I mean, those schools just have some outstanding athletes and outstanding teams. If you look at what they've accomplished over these last five or six years. Yeah. And that kind of leads me into um, my next question, because, you know, I grew up in Indiana with a one class basketball system. So it was it was different the way that they covered um they covered sports and when i moved here and i was coaching at blue ridge you know we'd look at the we'd look at the local coverage and i was kind of curious the differences in between you know how we were covered back home and how things were happening here um in east central illinois and here's the thing that now you know we're covering those those five schools we're doing high school we're doing junior high and i've noticed kind of over the years how you've expanded um, your coverage of just the game-to-game -game stuff. Um, you know, recently I've noticed 
you're just, you're including so many of the athletes, like not just the kids that are like finishing the race first or get the most touchdowns or whatever. You're trying, I think you're trying to just like include and acknowledge everyone why is it important for you? You know, the, these kids are working hard on a day-to-day basis. And we have like a wide variety of successes within uh, within the teams that we cover. Why is it important for you to include those athletes and in, to include all of those teams in your coverage? Well, I don't know if it's as important to me as it is uh, to the readers, to, to the parents, to, to the families, to the friends, to the school administrators, to the people that you know, live out of state that can't be here and watch the performances. And it's it's just a way to document what has happened. And I mean, the, see, I mean, it, track is a perfect example because in, in track, you know, you're going to have one winner in each race, but you could have 10 or 15 people that run the best time they've ever had, throw the shot put further than they've ever thrown it. And so that's an achievement in itself. And so, um, you know, rather than just highlight the people that might get an actual first place medal or, or ribbon, I try to highlight as many different people as I can, get as many different names in there. I mean, if nothing else, I, I feel like that helps the, the uh, you know, the Muhammad Daily and the St. Joe Daily get out there and get more people clicking on the website. And if they're if they're clicking and looking, you know, they're going to read other stories and they're going to be more involved. And and, you know, hopefully it has an effect down the road with with advertising. And it's just kind of a it's kind of a cyclical uh, process. And that's the, the the way I look at it. And and then plus, I mean, a side factor to that is if you look at what has happened at the News Gazette over the past five or six years, I mean, they have had to downsize and downsize and downsize. And, you know, their coverage, high school-wise, you know, I'm not saying this was me, but high school-wise has just really gone down over the last five or six years. And so it's not like a lot of these families have that avenue. They can say, I mean, the, the News Gazette used to run, you know, box scores for every basketball game. And by the time I'd retired, they, they took that, the box score would show field goals, free throws, total points. By the time I retired, they'd taken that down to just total points. But at least it was a box score. It had people's names in there more than you could mention in a story. And and now that doesn't happen. The, the statistical part is not there. They'll have a highlight on the game. Uh, top score will be mentioned. Maybe the top two scores or somebody has a lot of rebounds. But so I feel like what we do, we can do more in-depth and we can we can get out there to a, to a wider range of audience and hopefully present something that is going to maybe be a keepsake down the road and kind of an accurate account of an entire season as opposed to just, you know, I, I played on the basketball team this year, but I was only the top scorer once. I got my name in the paper one time. And so, you know, like like you said earlier, there's a lot of people that are putting the, the work and the time and effort into it. And, and I just like to see as many I'm rewarded and, and recognized as, as can possibly be. And kind of talking about that statistical um, history, especially that goes along with sports. Um, you know, everywhere I go, every time I talk to somebody, I've mentioned, I work with Fred Croner because I just really like working with you and you can just see people's faces light up. Like you covered them at some point in time, maybe in high school or even junior high, or, you know, they've, They've read the things that you've written over a long period of time. You know, I kind of think of you as like a walking encyclopedia because you just kind of like, no, I, I just feel like, you know, everybody, whereas I don't know that many people. Um, but what's been really interesting to me is, you know, we have St. Joseph Ogden and Muhammad Seymour and now Heritage, too. You know, they have a Hall of Fame and you're covering these you're covering these Hall of Famers. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about how, you know, that's 
that statistical knowledge that you have, you can just like pull up and recall like I can. And then, you know, you have that personal uh, history with some of these people. And then even what we just saw now with the Hall of Fame um, coverage in Muhammad Seymour, you're learning new things about these athletes that you, that and not all the time athletes, but sometimes athletes, athletes that you covered in high school. What is that like for you to be able to put in that longevity of a career into like encompassing a human being the way that you can in, in your Hall of Fame articles? Well, I think what what is really important here is that the background knowledge, I mean, because I know a lot of the people that I'm writing about that are going into the Hall of Fame, I kind of have an idea of what they've done in the past. And the reason that's important is that helps me shape the questions that I ask now. If I was just coming in, like say you you located me to to Phoenix, Arizona and gave me a you know a school that uh, was having a Hall of Fame, gave me four names, said write about these people. Well, I wouldn't know anything about them. And that makes it harder to ask the questions and, and really you know, get the the story out there and, and get the, the the profile on the person. But most of these people, if I don't know them personally, I at least know what they did, what they accomplished, and, and I probably covered them at some time or another while they were in high school. And so th that's why it's important to kind of have that background and know, um, like, for example, I, I recently wrote a story about uh, James Heinhold from Muhammad that's going into the, the Hall of Fame as a wrestler. And a state champion as, as a senior, and I think most people would, would remember that, uh, that, that had followed wrestling, uh, but I knew that he'd had a very limited varsity career because uh, it wasn't that he wasn't good enough as a freshman or sophomore. He was behind all state wrestlers those years and just couldn't break into the lineup, and I, I bet if you would look at his freshman sophomore record in JV matches that it was very sparkling. I don't have that information. Um, but I mean, knowing that, that helps shape then the, the questions that I ask in terms of, you know, I mean, to me, it would be very easy to, to be frustrating to be involved in a sport and, and, you know, halfway through your high school career, maybe you've had one or two matches, uh, varsity matches they've given you, Just be, and, but it wasn't because you weren't good enough, it was because you're behind some of the best wrestlers in the state. And but yet he kept with it and then, you know, qualified for state as a junior and then state champion along with his twin brother as a senior. So, I mean, those are the type of things that by having that that knowledge and that background helps me then to, to ask the questions that I ask, which I feel like in turn then helps me write a better story because the better questions I can ask, the better responses that I get, then the more likely it is that I can I can do a good story at, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, things like, you know, we just we just watched Shane Emke get, you know, uh on the um on the IHSA all record list for in-season home runs. And, you know, I know that you've known Greg for a really long time and just be, to be able to see like the longevity of somebody's uh, career, of course, her career is junior high and high school at this point in time, but, you know, to see her go into college. And I know you've had lots of athletes like that, just to be able to see the breadth of somebody uh, transform and change and to be able to record that has to be, an honor, you know, just to, to have those relationships and to be able to see that year after year. Well, you know, the, the neat thing that brings up a great point because you're right. I mean, I've known Greg Imke for probably, I don't know exactly 40 years or something. He was an outstanding pitcher, a left-handed pitcher played, uh, you know, of course at St. Joe high school, but then in the 
Eastern Illinois Baseball League with Royal. And the, and the thing I remember about him is he was of all the players of all the pitchers I covered, he was probably the the one that was the tough luck pitcher. I mean, he would lose the one to nothing game. Um, he would lose a game where there was an error in the field, a throwing error or something that maybe in a tie game would let a runner come in. And so he probably had more hard luck losses than, than anybody I, I've ever covered. But the point is, so I, I knew him and then I kind of followed his kids all, all the way through. I mean, he's had a number of kids that have, in, in various sports that have done well. Whereas on the flip side of that, there's another athlete that I covered at St. Joe, and, and his name was Andy Marks. And in fact, Andy worked for me for a while at the News Gazette uh, as a score taker. And so I, I'd gotten to know Andy when he was going, uh, you know, not only in high school, but when he was uh, in college. But unlike Greg, I had not kept in touch with him. And I don't know, a year or a year and a half ago, somebody walked into the pie shop and said, I bet you don't remember me. And, you know, I, I said, well, and this is my standard response. I said, you know, I don't recognize your face, but tell me your name. And I bet I can tell you what school you were from and, and what you did. And he said, Andy Marks. And I said, oh, sure. I remember St. Joe Ogden. I start going off about that. And and um, he, he said, well, you've been writing about my daughter, Madeline. And, you know, I had never made that connection because, you know, I, I guess I just, maybe I should, but when I when I see a last name, I don't necessarily, unless I know the, the parents already, I don't necessarily think, oh, well, this is, you know, so-and-so's child. And so I, I had not made that connection. And and so it was just kind of neat that, uh, you know, here all these years later and, and in a different town, you know, instead of on the, the east side of Champaign-Urbana, they live on the west side of Champaign-Urbana now. Mm -hmm. and so it's just kind of neat the way, you know, people like that just kind of, you know, resurface in your, in your life a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. Does the pie shop, does being at the at Lucky Moon give you an opportunity to reconnect with people face to face? Like, do you do you experience that often? Well, it, it, it does. And probably the, the interesting thing, what, what happens more often than not is, is people would just want to come in and, and talk about sports. And so, you know, after a while, you know, I, I, I will tell people, I'll say, well, I, I feel like I should know you. And they'll say, oh, you don't know me. I just read the stories that you wrote about. Or you wrote about my grandchild. And I, I've never actually met you. And so, you know, I feel a little bit better that then I, oh, I, I didn't recognize this person. It wasn't really somebody that I, I should have, have recognized. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing is, is people just like to come in and, and talk sports for a few minutes. And, and, you know, that happens all the time. Uh, you know, there's hardly a day goes by there. There might be maybe one or two days in a month where somebody doesn't come in and, and want to talk sports for a little while. Oh, that's so nice. I'm so glad that you have that. Um, so speaking of lucky moon, um, of course we love all the treats that Emily makes all of the, all the savory things that she makes. I mean, she's such a great break baker and I'm, not at all taking any light away from that because it's great stuff. Everybody should go get some. But while you're there, you should also pick up one of, well, pick up both of them. Pick up both of Fred's memoirs. Um, you know, when when you and I first met, I knew you as a sports writer. And, um, you know, over the last seven years, I've been blessed to be able to read your poetry, to be able to edit your first memoir from the heart to the heartland, and uh, now to get to read um, your newest memoir, My Life Stories Through My Eyes. And, um, you know, people can go to Lucky Moon, pick up these books, visit fredkroner.com. He has a website. We're working on building that out too with, um, with some of his old writing and um, so that, that you guys can see your stories again. But Here's the thing, you know, you write poetry, you've written, you've written other books about other people, and now 
over the last four years, you've written two memoirs. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the catalyst for the first one, why you decided it was time to tell your story in that way? And then we'll get to the, my stories through my eyes in a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about from the heart to the heartland. Like, why did you, why did you decide to write that? Well, actually, that was probably more, the, the reason is more listening to other people than, than myself. I mean, people would say, you know, I would talk to somebody and I'd say, oh, I remember such and such. And, you know, they would say, you ought to write that. You ought to put that down in, in a book form. And I'd talk to somebody else with a completely different story and they'd say, gosh, that's a great story. I bet you have a lot of stories. You, you ought to write something about that. And so it was more uh, other people just kind of prompting me because I, I never thought that it was you know, my life story was all that interesting. I mean, I, I went to work for, for 35 years at the News Gazette or just under 35 years and I, I did my job. And so, you know, I, that's the way I looked at it. I And, you know, sure, I had a lot of memories and a lot of, of, of associations and, and things that stood out, but I'd never really thought about uh, putting it all into a book form. And then it was really kind of the encouragement of other people that, that got me going on it. And then as I got going on it, it was it was actually pretty exciting to put together. And then I, you know, I threw some other things in there besides just the, the time at the news because I had a, a few stories that happened back when I was at the Bloomington Pantograph and <clears throat> then just growing up in Muhammad and, and things that happened. And, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of ironic, and this doesn't really have anything to do with anything we're talking about. But, you know, so for years and years, you know, I've covered... I've covered and I've, I've written about other, you know, people's kids and their accomplishments. And when I was growing up in Muhammad, I played little league baseball and I, I had one highlight and that one highlight was, was hitting a home run. Well, mm -hmm. the, the Muhammad paper, the, the sucker state, it was called at the time, they would run the box scores of, of every little league game. I mean, there weren't locked, there were just four teams. So there's just two games, I think twice a week, they'd run box scores of every game. And then if somebody had hit a home run or pitched well, they, they would get their, their first name in a little story that was written. Well, the, I think it was the third week, either of June or July, I don't remember now which month, the Sucker State always took a week vacation. And I didn't think anything about it at the time. I thought, okay, well, that's fine. You know, they'll come back and they'll catch up on that. Well, they came back and they, they picked up on what they, they, they left off with. So rather than having that previous week, you know, having those box scores in and those highlights in, it was like that week never happened. And it just so happened that, that my home run happened in that week. And so it was never <laughs> mentioned in the paper. And so... You know, you, you can tell what effect it had on me because here, you know, what, 55, 60 years later, you know, I, I still remember that, that, you know, gosh, I, I could have had my name in the paper one time as an athlete and, and it didn't happen. And so I think that makes me more conscious, too, of trying to recognize what other people do, because, I mean, sure, there are people like you, you had mentioned Shane Empke. I mean, she's going to have her name in the, in the paper tons of times for what she does. But there are other people that may only get that, that once or twice mentioned, you know, a particular sports season because they... You know, they, they may just be that that average player that just is kind of a contributor to the team, but, uh, you know, it's not that standout. And so when they get that opportunity uh, and, and do something well, I like to make sure that they, they get recognized and, and have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did I did really appreciate your um, your stories about, you know, traveling all over the world. Um, you know, the stories about late night basketball games or, you know, what it was like to cover stuff. And, but I think what like sticks to me from the heart to the heartland was just, um, you know, reading about you in the fields with your with your Walkman, um, listening to the Cubs game and the the stories about your mother and, um, you know, your sentiments toward Devin. Um, those things that are kind of behind the scenes that people don't think about I, in your in your um, 
my life stories through my eyes that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, you know, you talk about how lonely being a reporter for all those years was, and people don't think about kind of the sacrifices that journalists often make, especially uh, sports reporters, because, you know, sports don't happen during the workday. They happen, they happen at night and you have deadlines that you have to meet and get things turned over. Um, and so I just, I really appreciated how you were able to weave your personal story in with your professional life too. Well, you know, I think a lot of people probably don't realize really how much of a, of a solo job it is. I mean, you, you know, for the most part, whenever I would travel to a game, I, I would be going by myself. And then, you know, after the game, uh, you know, friends would say, hey, let's go out and get a burger. Let's go out and get a drink. And I say, well, no, I've got to write a story. I've got a deadline coming up. And so, you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't have that aspect. And so then I would have to either drive back to the office or later as, you know, technology developed and I had laptops, I would uh, sit in the parking lot in a lot of places and just type my story out there so that they could, you know, the, back in the office, they could get it before the, the deadline. And so, and then it would be, you know, I might be at, uh, you know, at Sullivan or Watsiki, you know, an hour away from home and then and driving back by myself and just accompanied by the, you know, the, the radio or my tapes that I had in there. So, um, but yeah, it's it's very it, it, it's interesting. I mean, you you see a lot of different people, a lot of different games, and and but there's much more that goes into that, and I I, I don't think a lot of people just truly understand. And you know, honestly, when I got into it, I, I guess I I didn't really think about the fact that most of the games were at night. I just thought, gosh, I want to be a sports writer. This is what I want to do. And then as I got into it, I realized, gosh, I'm I'm working every night. I'm working six nights a week. And and you know, and then see on top of that, on the flip side we did more than, than just cover the games. I mean, there were feature stories to write and, and previews and so on and so forth. And if you're working at night, you can't call these coaches. You can't call these people at night. So you've got to then work during the day to make those calls. And in the case of teachers, you know, there might be teachers that their only free hour of the day was from 8.15 to 9 o'clock, the very first hour of the day. So, you know, you'd have to be up early and, and you know, trying to, to reach people, certainly not every day, but a lot of days that, uh, you know, that was part of my schedule. Uh, I would say most days I was in the office by 10 o'clock in the morning and a lot of days not leaving till after midnight. And it was just because of the of the need to to juggle everything that, that had to happen. It was, And then you, you talk to these other people for the stories. And then again, if you're covering a game at night, that that takes away from that writing time. So you're either going to have to write the story after you get your game story done. And a lot of times I would stay after midnight and work till one or two in the morning. And in fact, I had one of my, my, my great stories, my great memories I, I, I told about, we had a, a toll free number. And routinely during girls basketball season in the in the early 90s, um, there'd be a coach that would call around 2.30 or 3 in the morning, Scott Thomas from, from Sullivan, which a team that won a state championship uh, one year. And finally, at one point, I asked him, I said, you know, why are you calling so late? And so he explained, he, he says, well, I have girls that keep stats at the game, but he says, I don't always trust him. And he says, if I tell you that somebody had 20 rebounds in the game, I want to know if that's an accurate number. So he says, after the game, after everything wraps up, I go home, I watch the tape, I chart all the stats, and when I get done, I call in the results. And he said, a lot of times it's going to be 2 or 2.30 in the morning by the time I, I get through it. And so, you know, I, I appreciated that attention to detail rather than just saying, you know, oh, somebody said this this player had, you know, 11 assists tonight. Well, you know, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was seven assists. And because uh, a lot of times, you know, high school kids will, will give an assist 
where somebody gets fouled and go to, goes to a free throw line and makes a couple free throws, which is not an assist. You have to make a basket. And so I, I just re really appreciated that. And, and we actually got to be good friends too, because I mean, there's not a lot of people what, to talk to at two or three o'clock in the morning. So after he would call in the game, we, we would just, you know, chat for a little while too, before, uh, before I'd hung up and, and add that story. And, and then of course, you know, as, as time went on, and we're putting out a, a a morning paper. You know, we we had earlier deadlines, and so that didn't work quite as well because we had to have all the the stuff wrapped up by uh, well early uh, by by midnight uh, at yeah. one time. Yeah, I I remember when I moved to when I moved to Muhammad, I was curious as to why the Gazette came out at three or four in the afternoon. Why my in laws got it during that time, um, and and then when it changed over to morning, which is what I was used to. Uh, what the journal and courier in Lafayette did. Um, but I, you know, I understand like now that, now that we're publishing stuff, I understand the the crunch of the morning, you know, trying to get everything published and get it out um, is hard, but it's certainly your attention to detail and your care for people that has, you know, you have a ton of awards and I'm always happy to see when you get recognized for, for new things because your dedication you're still up writing until midnight or 1 a.m for for the muhammad and sjo daily often um because i can see when you submit your stories so um I'm, i know everyone really appreciates that very much um so i got you a gift uh with story worth and this isn't a promotion of story worth i think you and i both think it's a a great company but we're not this isn't to sell story worth this is to talk about your book a little bit. Um, you know, you had just come off of, well, actually we were getting ready to release from the heart to the heartland, right. As COVID hit, like we had plans and then, you know, we were in our house for a long time. So I'm not sure that people actually kind of knew that that was happening the way that we had planned it to, but now you have this new book out, my life story through stories through my eyes. Um, how did those prompts help you you know, tell more of your story uh, or to look at things that you may not have thought about in the first book? Well, you know, it, it's very interesting because in, in the first book, I mean, it was basically all me coming up with the ideas, coming up with the order, trying to tie things together, you know, trying to have a transition and trying to have things in a logical order, you know, rather than talk about uh, in one chapter something that happened to me the 30th year I was working, then the next chapter go back to the first year I was working you know, trying to have a, a logical sequence to things. But but with StoryWorth, what it was, I, I would get weekly questions submitted. And every once in a while, there'd be a question that wasn't applicable. Like it would say, you know, talk about your military service. Well, I didn't have any. And so, you know, that would have been a one-word answer, none. And so I was able to substitute questions. And so, but I, I think that was what was so, so nice about that is, is I had a, you know, a guaranteed topic each week and they didn't have to be in any you know, it wasn't me coming up with an order for things. It was just me coming up with with the answer to whatever the, the question might be. And some of them, you know, were topics that I had covered in the book, but certainly not mm -hmm. that, that I did with 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 the, what I call the, the question and answer. And so for me, I mean, of, of all the books I've done, I mean, that was the easiest one because uh, there wasn't a lot of, of thought that went into it. I would get a question. I would think about it for, uh, you know, maybe a day, day and a half, and then I would, you know, write out. And in some cases, I had to do some research. I didn't actually remember everything I was I was talking about, so I had to do some some research to make sure it was factually accurate. But uh, um, I, I really enjoyed that format. I, I thought that was just wonderful, uh, the, the way that they put that together. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. And then, like, 
you know, you and I talked about this. I'd, I'd also re I had also got that from my mother and father-in-law and, you know, your answers were quite a bit more extensive than theirs were. And I appreciate again, how you just kind of weaved in the personal with the professional, um, you know, not just like, not just like, you know, I went here or I covered that, but also the friendships that you developed, like it talked about one of the questions were, you know, who something along the lines of who were some influential people in your life. And you talked about, um, you talked about your grandfather and then you talked about, um, you know, working at the news Gazette and having that mentor there. And, you know, I just, I appreciated how you sh shared your heart through these stories that we kind of, we know what Fred Croner does, but do we know Fred Croner? And this is just a great way to get to know you a little bit better, I think. And, you know, I think part of the, the reason for that that depth and, and, you know, what I got into with each story is whenever I interview somebody, I always tell them, I say, you know, elaborate as much as you can, talk as much as you can about each question. Because when I sit down to write a story, very rarely do I say, gosh, I have too much information. It, it happens once in a while, but not often. But more often than not, I'll sit down to write a story and I'll say, gosh, I just don't have enough. I wish I had more information. I wish I had more background. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, that's me kind of trying to, to be as thorough as I could, because that's what I like when I'm, I'm interviewing people. I like to, you know, get a complete story. And uh, I, I, I tell people, I say that, you know, the better, the best stories I write are the ones where I have the, the most information. And I mean, and that's just a fact. I mean, it's, and you know, you can, you can be a great writer. And I remember my, my first year uh, covering sports uh, out and about, not, not taking the calls when people would call, would, would call into the office. I had to cover Centennial High School. <clears throat> and the, the first sport of the school year, of course, was football. Uh, they had a decent football team. The, the coach was a guy named Wes Davis, who was, who was a nice guy. I liked him a lot he just was not talkative and i mean he was the master of, of one or two word answers and, and at the most a, a one sentence answer and it didn't matter what the question was and and he had this rule that he, he wouldn't talk about a particular individual because he didn't want to highlight one person over another so first of all it, questions about a particular individual were, were just off limits i mean he, he wouldn't even address them. so it had to be something general about the game and i mean i remember more than once he would say well you saw the game right what you saw and I, I told him, I said, well, yes, I, but I don't want to quote myself. You're, you're the coach. I want to get your reaction and your input. Right. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, if I, if I had used that as a guide, I, I think I would have chosen a different profession because he was just, it was just like pulling teeth, trying to think mm -hmm. out of him. And I, I remember talking to some of my colleagues, Joe Millicent in particular, and he said, oh, he says, he says, yeah, Wes is a good guy, but he says, you won't find a lot like him. He says, most coaches, uh, you know, they, they relish the publicity. They'll, they'll talk to you. They'll talk your ear off. And mm -hmm. I said, hey. And it turned out Joe was right in the long run. Right. But, you know, when you're when you're 18 years old and, and talking to a person like that and and uh, it was just frustrating. I thought, you know, what am I doing wrong? You know, because I but I found that and Joe would say the same thing. He'd say, oh, no, he says, it's, it's not you. He says, he says, look at my notes. And, you know, he would have like a, a third of a piece of paper with, with comments from the coach after the game. And and that was for like 15 questions. And he might have four sentences that uh, that he would write about. So, I mean, there's some people that are, are just that way. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, tell people how to get your book, where, where can they get it? How much does it cost? That kind of stuff. And then if you could share with us, like, what, what do you want people to take away from your stories after they read them? What are you hoping that they take away and maybe know about you a little bit? Well, okay. Well, okay. That's 
Books are available at, at Lucky Moon Pies, 401 East Oak. Uh, obviously, has to be a time that we're open during the week. We're currently open Wednesdays uh, through Saturdays, various hours during that time. Um, $20, or if you get that, plus the From the Heart to the Heartland, you can get two books for $30. So that's a, a pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they're available at the website. People can uh, go on there and, and make an order as, as well. And, and then I, um, especially if they're out of the area, and then I can mail it to them. And that's yep. we set up, correct? Yes, it is. All right. Well, I mean, as far as what, what people get out of it, I mean, I guess I hope that they just, you know, get a little bit more insight in, into me and maybe uh, also then look at some of the memories that I have and some of the events I've been at and and um, and say, hey, you know, I, I was there. I remember that game and and kind of, you know, conjure up some some nice memories and, and nice images for them as, as they look on the past and and, um, you know, just kind of maybe lead to a, to another discussion when I see him come into the pie shop or see him out and about about, hey, you know, I remember this. Let's, uh, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about the about this time or this uh, this game or, or this team or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So. um. I guess the last thing that I just I just want to say is I really appreciate you and I just appreciate the work that you do. You're one of the like best humans that I know. You're just you're awesome. Um, I don't know about that. No, I I hundred percent know about that. Hundred percent know about that. Um, and I think it's illustrated in in my life stories through my eyes. Uh, one of the chapters is what what advice would you give to your grandchildren or what do you want your grandchildren to know? Something along those lines. And you give a couple other things, but I just, this kind of just like sums up you for me, you know, don't judge other people. I, I love that about you. I love that you don't judge other people. Um, we talk about this a lot, a lot, like do the job, right. You know, it doesn't matter if we're first, as long as we're doing the job, right. Um, and I appreciate that you always hold me to that standard. And then be the person you want to see in others. And I just, you just do that on a day-to-day -day basis. You just, you are the person that, that you want to see in others. And quite frankly, the person I want to see in others. So thank you for, thank you for just being you and for sharing you and your insight with us. In, in my in my publications, it's Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, but I get to hear from you more often than that. So I just... I appreciate that so much. You know, an, an interesting thing is I, I've obviously, I've, I've covered a lot of games. I've written a lot of stories. And like you said earlier, gotten some awards and, and recognition. But there, there's one thing that, that I don't think I can I can do. And that is I, I'm glad that I didn't get into the education part of it because I can't tell a person how to write a story. And I, and I thought about this. And <clears throat> the best example, I remember... My very first job at the full time with, with a full time newspaper at the Champaign Urbana Courier, and this was in 1974. There was a, a man that worked there. He was on the the news desk, and he was responsible uh, for getting obituaries. And this was a time, I mean, even before fax machines and, and email and so on and so forth. So the funeral homes had to call in the, the obituary information, and then whoever took the call had to, had to write it. And the guy's name was Bill Judy, and he was probably the the shortest person I ever worked with. I, I can't imagine he was much over five foot. But when he wanted to be heard, what he would do, he would take a metal trash can, he would turn it upside down, he would stand on it, jump up and down, make this rattling sound until he, the room was quiet, he'd get everybody's attention. And I remember one time he said, people, this isn't hard. Writing an obituary is just a formula. You can have it all written out in advance, 
when the funeral home calls in, all you have to do is plug in the names, the time of death, the name of the family, when the service is going to be. He says, this is not hard. That's all you have to do. And so I, I thought about that. And, you know, writing a story, writing a, a, a feature story or a game story is not like that at all. I mean, you can't mm -hmm. formula and, and try to plug something in. And so that was kind of a, a thing that just really stuck with me because I I don't know how to tell somebody how to, to write that story. Um, and in fact, you know, Danville Area Community College had and, and still has a weekly, or not, a, I'm sorry, a yearly sports uh, camp uh, on their college that, uh, that Mike Holvey and, and Scott Eisenhower at one time were responsible for, for running. And Mike still does a great job with it and brings in young people from all over that are interested, whether it's in, in radio and broadcasting or television and behind the scenes producing or sports writing or whatever. And that was one of the things we talked about. And I, I would I would give the kids each year, I would give them fact sheets. I say, here's a fact sheet, write me a game story about it. And I would read, there might be 20 kids in the class and I probably would have 15 or 16 different versions or leads in terms of what somebody thought was important. And so just right there shows you that it's not like there's, when you write a story, there's not one way to do it that's right. And then there's every other way wrong. And, and to, so to me, I, like I say, I can't imagine trying to, to teach people. I, I can read a story and I can tell you at the end of it, oh, this was a good story or, oh, this was an average story. But I can't I can't look at you and say, well, this is how you write this story because I I, I can do it, but I, I can't tell people how to do it. And I, I think that's a, an interesting thing about it is that that's the, the one thing over the years that I, I felt like, you know, I, I can't do. And I, you know, different classes, Centennial High School, a number of times had me come in and, and talk to their journalism classes. And I would talk more about, you know, what I did and what the job was like, as opposed to, you know, this is a list of five things you have to do. Because, I mean, obviously, there, there's the basics. I mean, you, you have to ask questions, you've got to get the information, you've got to dig a little bit deeper. But when it comes time, when all that is done, you've got that information either on your laptop or on a piece of paper, and it comes time to write a story, that's where I can't say, okay, this is what you do, and if you do this, it's going to be a good story, because that's just not the case. Yeah, it's it's so interesting um, from gathering information, however you do that, whether it's data or interviews or, you know, research, um, you know, processing that, figuring out what the story what's what the story is or which which angle it is that you want to take but there's also like a feeling about it i think you know when you have when you have all of that information like especially with feature stories and a lot of times i see this in your sports stories like what is the feeling of the story and how do you convey that through the facts and the information to to the people. And I think you do such a great job at that. Um, yeah, it's really easy to, well, it's not really easy, but it's very easier to write a story when you have people who will talk to you rather than give you one word answers. But still our job has to be, you know, to get people interested in that story, um, teaching people how to do that. I've been working with interns a lot over the last year or two um, and, and teaching them or helping them see different ways to gather information and to tell the story and to get that lead right, to make it interesting to people is certainly a huge task to, to undertake. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want us to, to know about what's going on in your life? I, I had questions written down, but I always like to leave interviews like this, just giving you kind of the last word. 
Well, I guess maybe more than, than anything, you know, I, I mean, I've enjoyed all of what I've done, whether it was, you know, covering games or, or the travel, uh, seeing the different towns and different things, different places I went to. But probably the, the thing that, that makes me the happiest is when I hear somebody say, um, you know, that a particular story or particular profile I'd written was, was really good. And to kind of illustrate, uh, in, in my books, I've, I've mentioned a, a fellow named Ed Glennon, who I refer to as, as Brother Ed, just because uh, that was just kind of a joke that got started. We went to a basketball game at Danville Slarman one time, and a couple stats keepers from the Rantoul team said, oh, are you guys brothers? And without missing a beat, we said, yeah, we sure are. And so it's just kind of since then been he's brother Ed and I'm brother Fred. But but he said to me one time in, in all seriousness, he said, and I can't remember which feature story he just read, but he said, if I ever had somebody uh, that I wanted to write a, a profile on me, I'd want it to be you because you're so. Thoughtful. And that probably means more to, to me than anything. It's just people recognizing that, um, you know, I'm not going to just you know, put 10 minutes into a story and write it. I mean, if it, if it takes seven hours to write the story or get the research and that's the time I'll put into it and what whatever's needed. And I, I like that idea of, of being thorough and, and leaving no stone unturned. And that's kind of the, the philosophy and the, the mantra I've had over the years is, is, you know, I don't work by the clock. I, I work by the story and however long it takes to get it done. And that's the time that it takes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's so evident in, in the things you write. Well, Thank you for letting me interview you today. I appreciate that. And I've had a lot of fun doing it. And I also appreciate all the time you take input into this podcast. I know um, I know you enjoy it. And I know sometimes it's hard to find people to come on and talk, but you do such a good job at it. Well, it is fun. I mean, it's a, it's a different type of thing than, than what I do with the writing. And so, uh, but you're right. I mean, sometimes it's a challenge to, to find people or actually I find people and they won't be available or, or they don't want to talk or whatever. I've had a few mm -hmm. people down and say, no, I'm just not interested in being on the podcast. And I say, okay, well, that's fine. I'll, I'll get somebody else. And, and usually I do. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, we'll just, we'll keep going as long as you want to keep going with it. All righty. All right, everybody, get out to Lucky Moon, get some pie, get some cake, get some lunch or dinner. There's all kinds of selections there. And pick up one of Fred's books and take it home and enjoy your treat and your read at the same time. And, um, you know, Fred will we'll keep doing this every Friday and Fred will have some new guests on, too. So thanks for joining us today and we hope you have a great week.